global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report is brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are higher, indicating equities will extend their rally as signs of a stronger economy spurred speculation. It can withstand higher interest rates. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 7 points. Dow E-mini futures up 56. And NASDAQ E-mini futures up 16. DAX in Germany is up 1.2%. Ten-year Treasury is down 132nd. The yield 1.86%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.1% or 51 cents to 49.13 a barrel. COMEX gold down 6 tenths percent or $6.90 at 12.25.30 an ounce. The euro, a dollar eleven forty-seven, and the yen, one ten point three four. And Citigroup will pay four hundred twenty-five million dollars to resolve U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission claims that the bank attempted to manipulate global benchmarks for interest rate product multiple times from two thousand seven to twenty twelve. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. This is a joy. The scream I heard the other day over on Park Avenue, up in the sixties, like sixty-seven in Park is only Richard Haas would have in the same room someone that assisted Secretary Clinton in the architecture of her economic diplomacy and somebody from Bush Jr.'s administration as well. Even better, they would scream and yell. It's like the title of their relationship at CFR, War by Other Means. Jennifer Harris and Robert Blackwell join us right now. Do you two discuss... Our foreign policy, Jennifer, do you discuss our foreign policy on the first Wednesday of November this year? Like what it could be? <laughs> in in this book, yes, we do. We try to lay out, you know, a full, very specific 20-point plan for what it would mean to rebuild U.S. foreign policy, placing what we call geoeconomics at the center. What is the division, Mr. Blackwell, with your ex- your, your distinguished career? in diplomacy, starting in the late 60s and the many things you did, including being ambassador to India. Ambassador, what is the differential between Clinton statecraft and Trump statecraft that you see right now is the secretary and Mr. Trump try to read war by other means? What's that great divide? Well, it's pretty hard uh, so far in the campaign, although I hope it gets clarified uh, to uh, make a judgment about that. Donald Trump has given only one speech on foreign policy, prepared speech, I guess perhaps two, the one to APAC, uh, the U.S.-Israel uh, group. And uh, uh, Secretary Clinton has concentrated on the domestic issues. But what uh, Jan and I argue in the book is that, as she just said, is that uh, both parties – have forgotten the use of economic instruments for geopolitical purposes and in recent decades have reached for the gun too often. Well, let me ask you this question as a sharp distinction. Secretary Clinton, and we've had Ambassador Hormats in any number of times, am I right that she emphasized economic uh, diplomacy within her tenure at the, at, 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 as Secretary of State? Uh, it was one of her important themes. Jen should speak to this because she was in she lived uh, it. Yeah, uh, in well, the administration. Well, how did you see it from afar? Uh, well, I think from afar, and we say this in the book, 
uh, she was the first secretary in some time to actually address the issue of economic instruments for geopolitical purposes. However, not much practically got done, uh, perhaps partly because she left after four years, partly because American foreign policy in the Obama administration is run from the White House. But in any case... Do you agree with that statement, Ms. Harris? I, I do think that you've seen a continuation of the centralization of power in foreign policy in the White House. I think that you know that you, that's trend okay. started. I'm just trying to back in, in Bush too. <laughs> but, uh, it's I, I want the same yelling well. and screaming on Park Avenue to happen over here. Unless here's, here's, what I ha- here. here's what I have to ask: the idea of using mm-hmm. economic weapons. Uh, and I'm glad we have you guys for uh, a good long period of time because we, we want to get into exactly what you're talking about. But I yeah. just have to start by asking, uh, when you say the use of geoeconomics and economic uh, weapons as part of diplomacy, how are you different from what Donald Trump is saying? You know, the per- per- people are going to say, well, you look at the candidates and Donald Trump is saying, let's have trade wars. Let's have, you know, walls, uh, kick people out of the country, e- economic uh, sanctions, basically. Sure. So a lot of what Donald Trump is talking about there is simply trade for trade's sake. He is speaking to a set of economic tools for economic ends, whatever you know, one thinks right, right or wrong about uh, using those tools for those ends. But what we're really talking about is the use of economic tools for geopolitical ends. And you, you do see hints of that in some of what he said, but he's said a lot of things. Not all of them are easy to reconcile with one another. Let me chime in and say this, which is, uh, uh, again, to make the distinction. As Jen said, he talks about uh, trade for trade's sake. We ought to have better trade deals. Our central argument is that trade can be an instrument of our geopolitical strategic purposes. I would go further and say, in fact, most of what he said about trade would weaken our geopolitical purposes, especially our alliances. Well, draw the distinction then. What's the, what's the difference between uh, what he's saying and, and why would that hurt uh, the U.S.? Well, because he essentially has... Uh, has proposed a trade war with the Japanese, and uh, if they don't respond, uh, mm-hmm. he has said that uh, he's willing to depart the U.S.-Japan alliance, which is the centerpiece of American power projection in Asia. I want to get this in, Mike McKee, if I can. Jennifer Harris, uh, page 229, past TPP, the Asian Pacific round. It's one of your prescriptions uh, here. Is TPP dead based on what you've seen in the campaign so far? I think it, it looks hard for President Obama yeah. right now uh, that there is some chance in the lame duck. Uh, but I think there's an important distinction here with uh, TPP as a foreign policy instrument. The This administration, like several before it, are quite comfortable marketing uh, TPP and several trade deals as national security imperatives when it comes to selling a deal they've already negotiated. That's a very different thing than negotiating our trade deals with geopolitical objectives at the forefront. And uh, to my mind, if you were looking for a trade deal that solves for U.S. foreign policy challenges in Asia, you would have a different deal than the one we have on offer. Interesting. Well, one thing to talk about here, war by other means, geoeconomics and statecraft and important book, Robert Blackwell and Jennifer Harris. And we will continue on this uh, in this very political season. We need to get the markets open. Bloomberg surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.
Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And the opening bell brought to you by SEI. It's a leading-edge operational platform. enables asset managers to compete in an environment of social and technological change. Explore SEI's next-gen ideas at SEIC.com slash IMS. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee, and stocks are higher at the open. The S&P 500 up three-tenths percent or five points to 2081. Dow Jones Industrial Average up three-tenths percent or 50 points to 17,755. The Nasdaq's up three-tenths percent or 16 points to 4877. Ten-year Treasury up one-thirty-second. The yield 1.85 percent. The yield on the two-year 0.92 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.2 percent or 58 cents to 49.20 a barrel. Comex Gold is down eight tenths percent or nine dollars forty cents to twelve twenty two seventy an ounce. The euro a dollar eleven forty eight. The yen one ten point three eight. Tom and Mike. Thank you so much. Uh, the most talked about book in diplomacy uh, for this season: Robert Blackwell, Jennifer Harris, Lawrence Summers, and uh, Dr. Kissinger both rave about the book. Talk about a, a differential there. War by other means: geoeconomics and statecraft. With us, Jennifer Harris and Ambassador Robert Blackwell, our former ambassador to India. Um, I love chapter ten, page two fifty one, with James Baker and the quote. Never let the other fellows set the agenda. Jennifer, that's the basis, whether Baker or Kissinger or Blackwell, Secretary Clinton set the agenda uh, on economics as part of our diplomacy. I mean, it was relatively original when she did that, right? Well, I am not a disinterested uh, answer here. I uh, we, we, we crafting that agenda, but yes. We specialize in that at Blue. It, it was Summers. really about restoring what was a lost American art. We used to do this quite well. Well, explain what we did and and what we should do. Well, uh, for the first 200 years of American history, uh, you look back and our leaders were quite clear-eyed, quite comfortable flexing power in economic terms. And somewhere along the way, uh, things changed. Bob and I date that to right around Vietnam, a whole host of reasons. But uh, certainly in the last couple of decades, it has been – you know, the, the project of bringing China into the community of nations and you know, globalized markets began perhaps as a strategic project, but somewhere along the way it became more trade for trade's sake. And uh, you fast forward to 9-11 and America has been too quick to reach for you know, its military tools to sort of bomb our way out of every problem for the last 15 years. Why uh, would we want to do that, Ambassador, given the I mean, why would a president want to do that, given the awesome responsibility of having to send young men to die in war? Well, you've just uh, described it because, first of all, uh, the next president will superintend uh, the longest wars in American history, despite this president's commitment to get us out of them. He found out it wasn't so easy. And so uh, – uh, and there are trouble spots all around the world, but especially in the Middle East. And the question is, how does a president address those trouble spots? In the last 15 years, the answer has been send the 101st Airborne. Uh, but there are other ways to address them. And uh, as Jen just said, for uh, uh, two centuries, we knew how to do this. Louisiana Purchase. We didn't uh, – in, uh, in the 18th century, we didn't send – 
troops to occupy it, we bought it. The Marshall Plan is the best example in the period right after the Second World War, economic instruments to keep the Soviets from uh, moving politically westward in, uh, into Western Europe and so forth. And so we hope the next president, he or she, will uh, look at these instruments carefully. One last point. If you look at congressional hearings, try to find a congressional hearing in which this subject is addressed. And then look at the ten hearings which are about how effectively are we using our military force. It dominates our strategic discussion. Well, Jennifer, give me a, a, an idea of a problem that we can address. I mean, we're not going to buy Syria, obviously, <laughs> like, like we bought Louisiana, the Louisiana Territory. So what kind of problem can we address in today's world geoeconomically? Sure. So my favorite kind of Jeopardy uh, question of the, of the last few weeks is um, $713 million dollars. Any guess as to what that might buy you uh, in the you know, strategic menu for U.S. foreign policy? Uh, Tom's Nash Rambler, uh, <laughs> eBay. It's, uh, it's Monday careful. through Wednesday in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when we begin to think about, uh, you know, the, the our envelope for civilian assistance, that's my starting point. And uh, looking at the Ukraine-Russia crisis, I would argue that if you are trying to make an example of Russia reminding the world that uh, no country can invade another and redraw territorial boundaries by force, then what you do for Ukraine matters at least as much as what you do to Russia. Our entire assistance envelope for Ukraine last year was about $340 million, so mm. less than half of well, Monday through Wednesday in Afghanistan. If I can take the, the devil's advocate side on Ukraine, uh, the argument is is. Uh, the government has historically been proven corrupt and it's money down a rat hole. That's, that's certainly true, but I think there are, there's, you know, that still leaves some wiggle room for the United States. I would look to things like fuel subsidies. That's a lot of what's eating up, uh, Ukraine's fiscal budget. And if you could begin deregulating the sort of the energy industry there and rolling back some of those fuel subsidies, you lessen Ukraine's dependence on Russia. The Ukrainian people have proven quite resilient, quite willing to tolerate pain as long as they believe it's for some purpose. And uh, you could mount a real reform effort around those subsidies, probably open up you know, twofold the amount of fiscal space there. And for you know, less than half of what we spent uh, in our entire assistance portfolio for Ukraine last year. And uh, let me just chime in and say and say that uh, your good question uh, has an answer, which is the higher our aid levels in various dimensions, uh, the more influence we have on the Ukrainian government. You're absolutely right that this classically has been a corrupt uh, insider government. But when we go to them and say, well, here are the reforms you need with such a small aid package, mm-hmm. uh, they're not listening. Mm. Ambassador, you are from uh, Kansas. I am which indeed. Is a unique uh, state. Uh, MacArthur once called Eisenhower the best clerk I ever had. Eisenhower threw back that MacArthur was like being in drama, dr- dramatics class with General MacArthur. What would General Eisenhower think of the discourse of your Republican politics today? Well, I can't imagine uh, that uh, he would approve. Uh, we had uh, just recently, uh, I think, an example of that. If you try to say 
who is the best living embodiment of Eisenhower republicanism? I'd make an argument that it's Bob Gates. Forty years, uh, and I worked with Bob several different times in various administrations. Uh, Just, uh, by the way, another Kansan, uh, Mm -hmm. solid rock strategist, sensible, and so forth. And uh, what do we see in the last week? One of our presidential candidates, Mr. Trump, attacking Bob Gates. This is, as I say, I think he'd be the yeah. closest approximation to an Eisenhower Republican. So right. I think, I think that's an answer to what okay. Ike, um, well, sensible Ike, uh, would think about uh, yeah. this debate. This is an important book. It is squeezed into 260 pages. Jennifer Harris and Robert Blackwell from the Council on Foreign Relations. And all you need to know when you can get Kissinger and Summers on the same back cover of a book, it gets your uh, attention. This on our geoeconomics and statecraft. The book is War by Other Means. I'll put that out on social this morning. The market up 97 points this morning. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Members of Congress want to get to the bottom of the long lines at airport security that have caused people to miss flights across the country. The House Homeland Security Committee will be questioning the head of the Transportation Security Administration, Peter Neffinger. Lawmakers likely will also ask Neffinger about Monday's decision to remove the TSA's top security official from his post. House Speaker Paul Ryan has begun telling confidants that he wants to end his standoff with Donald Trump. As according to two people close to Ryan, the House Speaker is apparently worried the split has sharpened divisions in the Republican Party. Meanwhile, Trump will campaign today in California. Vice President Joe Biden says during all of his long service in government, now is the worst time he's seen for getting things done. This isn't the first time. It's the worst time, I think, in modern history, short of the Civil War, that this town is as dysfunctional as it is right now. The suspect in the murders of nine black people at a church in Charleston, South Carolina, last year is looking at the death penalty. Both the state and federal prosecutors were seeking the death penalty against Dylan Roof. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael Barr, thanks so much. Uh, the Dow up 95 points, 17,802. S&P 500, 2,086. The uh, VIX getting near 13 level, 14.18. Robert Blackwell with us. Jennifer Harris, we thank them. War by other means. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Jaguar of Morris County, introducing the all-new Jaguar F-Pace, the first-ever SUV from Jaguar. Visit Jaguar Morris County or call 855-638-2404 for special lease and financing offers.